Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. From Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network, you're listening to the Sports Stove Podcast with your host, Vince Stover. Here's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast. We're covering football from the weekend, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Talking about highlights, lowlights, COVID's effect on the college football playoffs, and we're going to stir the pot a little bit talking about Sarah Fuller and the Vanderbilt Commodores football team. That's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove podcast. It is time to turn on the Sports Stove. Welcome to today's Sports Stove Podcast. Today we are brought to you by Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Find more information at bellyupsports.com. You can find our podcast as well as other podcasts and then a lot of articles about different uh, sports topics there on bellyupsports.com. We're also brought to you by RA Marketing. Go radigital.com. They are there to help financial advisors get the leads that they need. They have a, n- a number of services that they offer running marketing campaigns and things like that for financial advisors. So for more information, go to goradigital.com. Today we're talking football and all that is ahead uh, in the football or what happened in the football weekend, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, uh, commenting mostly on college football, but a few professional topics as well. Let's start off with some highlights from the weekend. How about Buffalo's running back, Jarrett Patterson? Patterson Uh, Ran for nearly a quarter of a mile, 409 yards, eight touchdowns for Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo, of course, got the win as well, but Jarrett Patterson had himself a historic day uh, there running the football and add some highlights to Buffalo's football season at the very least. Then you've got some of the top teams, Alabama, Notre Dame, and Clemson, all doing things that were necessary, convincing wins for them on the weekend 
to hold their tops, uh, their spots in the top four and uh, looking very solid. Alabama is clearly the number one team in the nation. Notre Dame has continued to look well and uh, playing very solid. Great job by their quarterback, Ian Book, uh, as well. Then Clemson having Trevor Lawrence back on the field and uh, winning convincingly as well. Uh, continue to dominate there those top teams. Then another highlight is uh, Michigan State. They've won one game this season coming into the weekend, and that was against Michigan. Now they beat the undefeated number eight Northwestern. And with that being said, Northwestern's hopes uh, of having a chance at the college football playoffs probably just disappeared. Northwestern loses to Michigan State their first loss of the season. But when you're a team like Northwestern, one loss is all it takes. Some of the lowlights from the weekend, a couple coaches got fired. Uh, The Detroit Lions finally got rid of Patricia out of Detroit. Uh, The Lions fans rejoice overall with this firing. Patricia probably, not probably, he should have been fired before the start of the season. He was not given another opportunity, could not make a go of it. Uh, The Lions have a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball. Kenny Galladay, DeAndre Swift. And, of course, Matt Stafford being there. The Lions need to bring in an offensive mind, whether it be at head coach or just a really solid offensive coordinator. They've got too much talent to continue to waste there in Detroit. Then on the college level, Vanderbilt have yet to win a game this season. After the game this weekend, they have fired Derek Mason, their head coach. He is uh, seems like a decent human being, but not a great football coach, at least not at Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt takes a special kind of coach. You have to understand that your talent is going to be limited because of the restrictions when it comes to the education and the GPA and things like that that Vanderbilt has. And in doing so, you're playing with sub-talent when you're talking about the SEC. And Derek Mason could not make the best of his circumstances. He packs up and is gone here at the season. Some other lowlights from the weekend. LSU football. The defending national champions, they don't look like champions anymore. LSU football continuing to lose this season. They lost to a very good team in A&M, but yet still out. Michigan, another team that continues to fall, and they are falling hard. Jim Harbaugh, he's not going to be fired at Michigan, but he might choose to mutually part ways at the end of the season. He may play out his contract. Uh, We will see the one thing that Harbaugh has not done has been the one thing everyone expected him to do, and that is get in a solid top-of-the-line quarterback. He has been unable to do that since his time in Michigan, and they continue to lose this season miserably. And then speaking of miserable, how about the Dallas Cowboys? They're still in the running for the division, but on Thanksgiving Day, they get walloped. And they're coming off of of the loss of their strength uh, coach, and, and obviously that's not easy to play after, but consistently this season, Dallas has has underperformed. And you can put that on coaches, you can put that on players, you can put that on circumstances. It doesn't matter. Either way, they have not lived up to the hype this season. Dallas Cowboys lose again this week. Another low light for the weekend was more opt-outs on the college level. Ta- top talented athletes choosing to go ahead and forgo the rest of the season. And we're only talking about a game or two now. It's not that big of a deal, I suppose. But LSU wide receiver Terrace Marshall, he realized, hey, it isn't worth getting hurt uh, here at the end of the season. Our team is going nowhere. He's third in the SEC in receivers. He opts out for the rest of the season looking ahead to the draft. Then Texas three-year starter offensive tackle Samuel Cosme. Uh, he is a projected first-round pick, the number two overall Um, uh, offensive lineman, at least offensive tackle on the big boards there on ESPN. 
Uh, he has chose to not play the rest of his season. Again, there's really no chance for Texas uh, to be in the playoffs, and so he chooses to go ahead and step out here the rest of the season. Let's move on to COVID and the consequences that it's going to have on the college football playoffs. The Ohio State Buckeyes canceled their game this week at 4-0. They were supposed to go and play Illinois this week, uh, but due to Ryan Day and several players contracting the coronavirus, Ohio State canceled their game. Now, they've got two games left on their schedule, Michigan State and Michigan. If they play both of those games and win both of those games, they will end the season 6-0. But what happens if they have to cancel another game? What happens if they can't play against Michigan State this week? Is a 5-0 Ohio State team worthy to be in the college football playoffs? You can argue they have as much talent as anybody in the nation, but you can also argue that five wins is not enough to be playing in the college football playoffs. Wisconsin has the potential to get to 4-1 and one if they win out their season. That's not going to be enough. That shouldn't even be enough for them to play in the Big Ten championship game. Northwestern, after losing this week, the best they can do is 7-1. and one. They could play in the Big Ten championship. If they beat Ohio State in the Big Ten championship and go to 8-1, and one, wouldn't that be something? They're probably in. Uh, Indiana, who lost to Ohio State by a touchdown, they are 7-1 and one or have the potential to end the season 7-1 and one if they win out. What happens if Ohio State ends the season 4-0 and or 5-0? and Should they even be allowed to play in, let alone the Big Ten Championship? What about the college football playoffs? I think six wins is, is even pretty marginal at this point. I, I don't understand how you can let someone in the college football playoffs with only six games under their belt this season when you have other teams that have played nine games or will play nine games or ten games and even some cases 11 games. You've got some teams on the outside looking in like Cincinnati. They can end the season 9-0 and if they play out their schedule as it is. Is that worthy enough to go into the college football playoffs in place of an Ohio State team that doesn't get to six games? What about BYU? They've already been disrespected by the polls. They're going to have the opportunity to finish the season 10-0. and Shouldn't a 10-0 and team have, have uh, uh, warrant a better opportunity at college football playoffs than a 5-0 and team? Or even a 6-0 team? Coastal Carolina has a chance to go 11-0 this season. They've got wins over Louisiana, and they're playing Liberty next week if they beat them and finish out the season undefeated. They'd be at 11-0. Aren't they more worthy of a college football playoffs than Ohio State? Marshall has a chance to end the season 9-0. What about Florida? If they beat out Alabama in the SEC championship game, by all means, they definitely would make it into the college football playoffs. But if they lose, they'd be a two-loss team and more than likely left out as there's never been a two-loss team in the college football playoffs. Texas A&M, if they win out and Alabama loses to Florida in the SEC championship game, well, doesn't Texas A&M have a chance to? What about if Florida Alabama wins the SEC championship game, A&M ends the season with one loss, uh, don't you think there's a good potential for them to make the college football playoffs over an Ohio State team that maybe doesn't get in six games? It really comes down to the college football playoffs and their decision of what they're going to do with Ohio State. At this point, Clemson should win out. You've got Notre Dame as well, and, and, and depending on what happens in that ACC championship game, uh, will they both be in or will they not be? The SEC champ is definitely going to be in the college football playoffs. If Alabama loses the SEC championship game, there's very good potential they're still in, which would make two SEC teams in and then two other teams, the ACC champ, and then possibly the Big Ten champ fighting it out. 
At the end of the day, I think it's time to let these, these other schools in. Cincinnati, BYU, Coastal Carolina. I think Coastal Carolina has a, more of a resume than BYU does. Cincinnati, they don't have any necessarily great wins under their belt, but they don't have a lot of horrible wins either. To me, Cincinnati and Coastal Carolina are the two teams to watch for if you let someone in that's not in those power schools. When you're looking at SEC, ACC, Big Ten, no one in the Big 12 is fighting for it at this point. And so that's what it all comes down to. Is Ohio State in or are they out? How many games should they have to have played in order to make it in? The Big Ten came late to the party. And are they going to be rewarded for that? They should not be. I think Ohio State should be out, and I believe – A team like Cincinnati or Coastal Carolina should be in. We'll see how it all plays out in the coming weeks. Can they get the games in? Who wins the championships in the conferences? And what goes on from there? In our final segment of the episode today, we want to look at history being made in the SEC and really all of college football. Vanderbilt suits up Sarah Fuller, the goalie for the soccer team, uh, to suit up as a kicker because of all the COVID restraints and the things going on with their program. She makes history on a kickoff as she does a squib kick up the right side and becomes the first female to ever play in a Power 5 conference football team. Sarah Fuller uh, did her job well. There's a lot of arguing on Twitter about this, but she did what she was told to do, and she did it effectively and efficiently. I, for one, do not have a problem with a girl being a kicker in football. But I do pose the question, what's the line? Where do we draw the line with girls playing football? Now, again, being a kicker, I have no problem with that. And they argue, well, what happens if, if it gets blocked and she has to tackle someone? Well, I point you back to Martine Gramatica. I guarantee you Sarah Fuller is tougher than Martine Gramatica. I don't think that's the issue. But I have begin to draw the line when you start talking about other positions, whether it be cornerback, wide receiver, uh, any other position really other than a specialist. And the reason why that is is not because I'm a chauvinist pig. It's not because I'm anti-women. But at the end of the day, I am someone who stands firm on the belief that a man should not hit a woman. I don't believe there's any place in life where that is necessary or where that is acceptable. And I have a problem with the fact that you're asking 250, 290, 312 pound men to hit a woman. Now, I understand that's different than domestic abuse, and and I don't mean to make light of it in any way, shape, or form. But I do have an issue with women playing football, not kicker. I have no problem with that. As a matter of fact, I don't think it's an issue at all. But I think when you start looking at other positions and other uh, places where, where they could get involved in the football scene, I think you enter a very dangerous territory. We're beginning to desensitize our country, desensitize our children. We've done it with violence and video games and on the movies and TVs and things like that. And now we're going to say, well, let's start desensitizing them to violence against women. To me, it's a dangerous path to go down. And, and I, for one, do not want to see a 250-pound elite NFL football player running full speed, lowering his shoulder pads, and hitting a woman. To me, it's unnecessary. To me, it's not needed. To me, it is flat-out wrong. So in my opinion, and it's just strictly my opinion, I think that there has to be a line drawn somewhere. Let them kick. Let them punt. And uh, positions where they're, they're at very little risk of getting hit or having that opportunity. I mean, you look, you talk to the quarterbacks in the league, their coaches tell them, don't go and try to tackle someone on an interception. 
It's just that simple for a kicker as well if you don't want your kicker to go and try to tackle someone. So be it. But there are still, as we've seen over the years, uh, some men in the football world that are not very smart and are definitely uh, not very nice to women. So what would they do if they see a girl running on the football field during a kickoff return? Would they line up and take the hardest hit they can? You'd like to think we're getting past that in our country, but simply we are not. Just by looking at the domestic abuse issues plaguing our country as it is. I think there has to be a line drawn somewhere, but for today, let's say congratulations to Sarah Fuller for making history this Saturday with your kickoff with Vanderbilt. And good for Derek Mason before he gets fired to do something special as well. That's today's Sports Stove Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and share the podcast. Tell everyone you know about it. And uh, feel free to make comments. You can follow us on Twitter at Sports Stove. That's at Sports Stove. Comment uh, on any of the opinion, opinions you disagree with on this episode. You can always email comments as well, thesportsstove at gmail.com. Don't forget uh, to thank our sponsors, Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. You can find more information at bellyupsports.com. And then also our sponsor, RA Marketing. They've been with us since the early days. Go radigital.com. If you're a financial advisor, please reach out to RA Marketing and let them help you. Right now, they've got some great deals running. You get some major money off of your uh, your first or your next, at least, uh, thing going forward, your campaigns and things like that. So thank you again for tuning into the Sports Stove Podcast. We will be dropping more episodes in the very near future. But until next time, we'll see you around the Sports Stove.